Yeah. Just to add my echo to that, so good to see so many beautiful faces that we know and love, and it's so uh, so good to be with you. Just uh, reflecting in the worship, we've been um, we've been like crossing paths for like more than a decade. Many of us, you know, doing BSSM together and various other revival gatherings across the city, and um, so yeah, it's great to be amongst friends and uh, and just enjoying what God is doing. You know, I was just re- reminded of a, a prophetic sense that uh, Jamie Van Gilder, he's from Minneapolis in the States, and we were up there on the, uh, on the copy there at Northcliffe, and, and he could just see just these, uh, these shafts of God's presence and worship just in, coming from communities right across the city. And the Lord was, was releasing these, these like revival portals all over the city, you know. And, um, and I just had to kind of like, okay, this is, this is like one of those. Yeah. So this is really, really good. Yeah. And you even get to play in the sandpit like as part of worship, you know. This is like serious therapy right here. Like healing. Healing can come. Yeah. I love this. You know, I actually nearly got into the sand myself. You want to see it? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I probably will. Um, but also just, I mean, this is, this is how they did it in the book of Acts, right? They just like gathered in very informal, uh, away from what religion came and brought, you know, kind of structure to. It was real. It was, it was life. It was organic. And, and they would fellowship together and they would have meals together, you know, and, uh, and, and, and just sharing the stuff of life. There wasn't, um, you know, the mentality like, oh, it had to look like this because it was something new. And God's doing something new. And, uh, and so I just love, I love this, this courtyard feel, you know. And um, so, yay, keep it going. Yeah, so this is this is really really super. So, thanks for the the opportunity to be with you, and uh, we've been trying to plan this for quite a long time actually. Um, but here we are, you know. This this thing called COVID has has changed a whole heap of things and has moved our diaries around a whole whole lot. But uh, I love the fact that God is actually using this. To actually speak into our lives and to actually craft things according to his plans and purposes. So, you know, you can you can tap into what's going on with regards to mainstream media, social media, all these kinds of things, all the narratives that are there, and you can take your cue from those things, or you can actually just step a little bit away from that and say, Lord, what are you doing? Give us your eyes that we might actually see beyond what is right in front of us. Because what's right in front of us often occupies our focus and attention so powerfully that we don't get to see beyond that into the distance or into the other realm to see, okay, God, what are you doing? So this, this time and this season has caused us all to stop and to think about how we're living our lives. What are we going after? Folks, it has to be a good thing. All right? Because if we just carried on doing what we were doing, you know, we could end up just on our own little mission instead of being on God's mission. And, and I think that what this time and the season has done is caused us to actually dig into the scriptures more and to press into the heart of God more because we've, we've actually been squeezed out of our comfort zones. And uh, as, as hard and as difficult as this, these last 18 months have been, they've actually been glorious because they're causing us as God's people to fine-tune our focus. And uh, 
So I'm wearing a, a new pair of glasses. The previous glasses I had that were broken on the first week of lockdown. Yeah. So the story goes a little bit like this. We had a guy in, uh, in the church, and uh, he's saying, listen, I've, I'm growing um, oak trees and, um, you know, from, from the acorn. And um, so I, I feel it's time that we need to actually plant it, and we want to plant it on, on the ground as a prophetic action, you know, Oaks of righteousness are going to be established, right? And uh, and so let's let's go about this. And so we said, okay, we identified um, a place where we could plant it in the ground is like super hard. Not a problem. He hands me the spade. He <laughs> says, you know, like you should have the first go as this prophetic action. And so we're just getting used to this whole mask thing, you know. We're all pretending we're doctors, so we walk, walk around with masks on. It's our disguise, right? Because we're healers. Uh, but anyway, so my glasses, I was, you know, didn't quite fit with this thing. And so I took my glasses off and I put them in my top pocket. And as I bend down to dig into this, this soil that is like rock hard, so, and I really got to, you know, put some effort into this thing, my glasses fall out my top pocket right into the path of where the spade is coming down. With great gusto, and um, and my glasses just you know shatter. But here I have, in a sense, it almost feels like the close of that season. Doesn't it feel like that? I mean, I know that they haven't officially called it all over, but we can feel things are different, right? Okay, we can we can feel like something has shifted and changed. Um, you know, this this spring we're springing forward. We, we can feel it in, in the spiritual. We can sense something in the natural as well. Uh, we can feel like that oppression is lifted off us. Okay. If you can nod with me, that really helps. You know, you guys are sitting there so cool behind your shades. You know, like, are you actually there or not? You know, so. Um, but. As things shift and change, the Lord is shifting and changing our vision and our focus and the clarity with which we can see. All right? So we can see further and we can see more clearly. And, and in these 18 months, that's part of what he's been doing. He's been refining our focus to actually see what he's on about. And uh, to some degree, that's kind of like where I, I, I want to speak about um, we'll, we'll share with you this morning, and I believe that you guys carry on till about 1.30. Is that the, the normal deal here? I've got a 3 o'clock over there. Any advance on 3? All right. Well, when you started speaking about the bones, it's kind of like, yes, <laughs> I'm on track. Yay. Um, so I think God's up to something here. What the kind of thing I want to want to communicate is that God's got bigger plans than our small plans, and it's good that we've got plans, and they might some of them seem big and challenging for us, but in the light of God's plans, His plans are enormous. They're kind of like eternal. They're intergalactic. They're massive. They span from generation to generation. His plans are enormous. And what's going on in the world right now is actually fitting into God's plan. Okay? Now, even the tough parts, God weaves into His plan. So I just want to share a little perspective as to what's going on and why we don't give up hope. Whether it's in our nation, whether it's in our city, whether it's the continent, the world, whatever, there's, there's a, a bigger plan. God's on about something way bigger than just our immediate sense of benefit. 
And we can, when we grasp that we're actually part of something that's really, really huge, it makes the difficulty understandable and worthwhile. Because it's not in vain. I mean, imagine if we were suffering and it was in vain. It's kind of like, what's the point of it? There's no purpose to it. It's demoralizing, discouraging, and causes some people to actually lose faith. But when we actually recognize that God is working in all of the world to bring about His plan, and even besides at that massive level, He's actually causing things to to change. He's shaping things on the inside of me while I'm going through the stuff. So it's at an individual level and at a macro level, God's working and He's working powerfully. Now, many voices would want to, you know, announce to us that the devil's winning. And if we, if we look at a lot of circumstances, it's kind of like, man, yeah, they must be right. Because we just, you know, I mean, we joke about the potholes as though that was the worst thing in, in the world. Um, but it's just it's it's uh, just a symptom of the of the things that are not smooth. Remember, he came to make the rough places smooth, the crooked places straight. The, the, the valleys are going to be filled in, and the and the mountains of opposition are going to be removed. Okay. And so there's something that's inside of us that gets upset when there's a pothole. I believe it's something righteous. Well, that's what I tell myself. <laughs> because it shouldn't be this way. Right? Because we've come to bring order. Why? We're made in His image. God the Father, and God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And God the Holy Spirit was hovering over the earth when it was chaos. So that He might bring order. That's, that's, that's what He does. And if, what He does flows from His nature, His character, who He is. He brings order. We're made in His image. We love things to be brought into order. So when things are out of order, something inside of us says, "Mm -mm, this is not right. It should not be this way. Yay. We're resonating with our Father. So we we, we pick up on these things and we we long to see justice coming where there is injustice. Where things have been left to to just go go wild, we actually want to bring Eden to the whole planet. That's the mandate. We were kind of like singing that phrase, right? And it, it's part of the, the gospel going to the, all the, the four corners of the planet, to the ends of the earth, that the kingdom would advance until the kingdoms of this world become the kingdom of our Lord and of His Christ. That's what we're on about. Now, the enemy doesn't like that, and he's, there's pushback. So we face opposition, we face some difficulty and hardship, but that's okay because we're in a battle, but this is a worthwhile battle. It's worth giving our lives for, and it's worth pushing through the hardship and the difficulty because this one is the battle that is above all other battles and causes everything to come into Divine purpose, divine order. This is the only thing that really makes sense. Yeah? So that's what I want to preach to you about. Now let's start. (laughs) Is that all right? You know, I learned from my dad. My dad would do an introduction for about, you know, an hour. And then he'd, you know, bring the message in about 25 minutes. And then he'd spend a few minutes wrapping up and telling you what he's just told you. Yeah, gosh. So, we're in Exodus. If you've got, uh, got your phones, if you just switch them on to Exodus chapter 13. All right. Exodus 13 and verse 17. 
So this is after God has shown himself like so powerful. There's been the showdown between, between God and, and Pharaoh and, of course, all of Pharaoh's, um, you know, the, the counselors and the astrologers and the wise guys and, and, and all the, the guys involved in false worship, idolatry, all that kind of stuff, the demonic realm, yeah? I mean, they did some pretty crazy stuff. They mimicked through demonic power many of the miracles. Come on, think about that. Yeah? So the, the, these guys were, were tapping into the spiritual realm, but the dark side. Massive showdown. Passover takes place. Pharaoh is kind of like, okay, now we're beaten. Okay, you guys can go. Exodus 13 and verse 17. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. Come on, we're all looking for a shortcut. Oh, my goodness. You know, sometimes God actually doesn't want us to take the shortcut. It's a word for somebody. For God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. I mean, that's a ridiculous thought right there. Hey, let's go back to slavery. Let's go back to lockdown. <laughs> All right. So, verse 18. So, God led the people around by the desert, the desert road toward the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt ready for battle. Yo, that thing hit me this morning. They left Egypt ready for battle. I felt the Lord was, was, was highlighting that phrase to me. As we step into this new season, as we're coming into a new place of freedom, not just in the natural, but also in the spiritual, as we're coming into a greater, greater place of freedom, we go up, armed and ready for battle. Yeah, most of us, when we step into freedom, it's kind of like, whoo, chill out, bring out the lilos, let's relax. No, when they started stepping into freedom, they got ready for battle. There's something about us stepping into new levels of freedom that we actually need to be at the ready for whatever the enemy is going to throw against us. It doesn't mean that we're not moving in the right direction. No, conversely, even though we're stepping into freedom and we're moving in the right direction, we will still have battles that we need to fight. And God's okay with that. Our human nature, generally, hey, I don't want any trouble in my life. I actually don't want another battle. God says, get ready for war. He shows himself particularly powerfully in and through when we wage war with him. Remembering, of course, he has the major part of the battle. We just have to show up. Okay. Verse 19. Moses took the bones of Joseph. <laughs> Moses took the bones of Joseph with him because Joseph had made the Israelites swear an oath. He had said, God will surely come to your aid, and then you must carry my bones up with you from this place. <laughs> Joseph was prophesying for 400 years, God will come to your aid. How did he do that? We're going to read a couple of scriptures in a moment. But there, was, there were indications. There was a prophetic action that was speaking to the people of God. 
that the promise of God was still to be fully realized. God will surely come to your aid. Doesn't matter when you're feeling the crack of the whip of the Egyptian slave master on your back as you're making bricks without straw. This is impossible. And we've still got to meet the quota. We are we're completely overwhelmed, if you like, by oppression. And in the middle of that, the prophetic word comes, God will surely come to your aid. What you're facing is not the end of the story. There is a different ending. We just haven't got to it yet. It's going to take a while, but we're going to get there. But as we're moving through this, don't give up hope. Don't give up focus. God is going to come through for us, and He's going to do so in a powerful way. Verse 20, After leaving Sukkoth, they camped at Etham on the edge of the desert. By day the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, so that they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. Another thing that I felt highlighted again, this pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night wasn't just in terms of their protection and their covering, it's like, you know, they had this supernatural aircon system that traveled with them. It was a mobile aircon unit. The cloud shielded them from being singed, burnt up in the desert by day. It's just like, wow, we're, we're always in this kind of cool place. We might be in the desert, but this is amazing. We actually don't get burnt up. And by night, deserts are freezing cold at night. Super dark. But here they have light and they have heat from this pillar of fire. But it says there, so that they could travel by day or night. Kind of like I hadn't really noticed that before. It's kind of like, yeah, I'll travel by day and then we can just chill out at night. But actually, they could go further because God was enabling them supernaturally to move forward, to keep on their journey. His presence wasn't just like, oh, nice, warm, fuzzy feelings. It wasn't just like, hey, so we can be comfortable. It's so that they could actually get somewhere, that they could journey, they could travel, day or night. That's pretty amazing. Yeah? So His presence, yes, comforts us, strengthens us, all these good things, but His presence enables us to journey with Him and to be able to go further than we otherwise would be able to go. And also, in chapter 14, we're going to see that it was actually in the night that that whole Red Sea thing went down. <laughs> that was amazing. I, I hadn't put all these things together. So I'm really grateful for the opportunity to be here with you guys because I'm learning so much. Yeah? Actually, it was in the night that Pharaoh, his army, went in and got washed away. Pretty amazing. Sometimes we think, wow, we're facing such a dark time in world history. It's like night. Yeah, it's, there's so much difficulty and struggle that we're facing. The Lord is actually using the hardship to turn things around on the enemy. So, 
in the start of chapter 14, then Moses, sorry, then the Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites to turn back and encamp near Pi-Hahiroth between Migdol and the sea. They are to encamp by the sea directly opposite Baal-Zephon. Baal-Zephon is, is Baal of the north or of the north mountain. So that God was actually setting up a showdown, not just with the Egyptians, but also with the Canaanites. Because their Baal was going to come down. God was already issuing the challenge. He's saying, I'm going to sort out the Egyptians and I'm already putting the Canaanite gods on notice. I'm coming for you. It's amazing. So much that God was doing in, in this whole story here. Verse 3. Pharaoh will think the Israelites are wandering around the land in confusion, hemmed in by the desert. Hemmed in by the desert. Has anyone felt hemmed in during isolation? Pharaoh will think God's people are wandering around in confusion. Hemmed in with isolation. Come on. The church has not been going backwards in this season. The church has been moving forwards. The enemy has thought, you know what? This is a way I can actually get at God's people. Come on, remember, big picture, God's big plan. It's all about the king and his kingdom. And it's all about everything being subject, being crushed, being put under God's feet. And Romans tells us, under our feet. Because we're in Christ, even as all of his enemies are going to be under Christ's feet, because we're in Christ, they're also going to be under our feet. The enemy, he wants to bring chaos, and he wants to rebel and destroy everything that God created and he said good. That was his objective from the beginning and it continues. And God lulls him into thinking that he's winning. But it's a trap. All that we're watching in the world right now, if you listen to mainstream media, it sounds like the devil is winning. It's actually part of his undoing. So Pharaoh will think, the Israelites are wandering around the land in confusion, hemmed in by the desert. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them. But I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army, and the, the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites did this. So you read in uh, chapter 14, so the word got back, um, it's Twitter feeds and whatever, to Pharaoh. And he's kind of like, wow, these guys, you know, they don't know what they're doing. And, um, hey, here's our chance. Uh, and we're going to go and teach them a lesson just one more time. And so off they went with all their, their chariots and their horses and the army. And they marched out. And at first the people of Israel, God's people said, hey, it's okay. We'll turn back. Yes. You know, God's presence is with us. We're going to be fine. And then they saw all the Facebook posts about the enemy coming towards them. <laughs> And then they kind of like said, hey, this is not good. Moses, were there not enough graves in Egypt that you brought us out in the wilderness to die? Hmm? Don't believe everything you see on the meta-universe. Don't believe everything that mainstream is trying to feed us. Because... Because we kind of like know who owns mainstream media, don't we? Because we've all been doing our homework, haven't we? This is where I do my Jedi stuff. We've all been doing our homework. <laughs> we've all been reading what's really happening. Right? God... He's turning things around. He's going to turn things on its head. Do not bind to fear. 
Come on, that's been the battle. It's been the whole battle of the last 18 months is fear. Fear has been the thing that's actually dominated and crippled people, countries, nations, economies, families. I mean, we're still people who are so bound by fear they won't even leave their home after 18 months. What's keeping them there? It's fear. The, the big battle has actually been one of fear. I'll just drink to that. So God says to Moses, okay, let's sort this out. Moses says to the people, stand, you're going to see the deliverance of God. The presence of God, that cloud, pillar of fire by night, cloud by day, God's presence now comes between the people of God and the enemies. The wind blows, the Ruach of God, all night opens up a way where there was no way. Not just that, hey, there's no more water, actually dry ground. It's phenomenal. In one night, blows the water and creates dry ground. And they go through. They're in the last watches of the night and they go through. Now these guys are on the other side. The cloud lifts. The interesting thing about that cloud was it caused one side to release light and the other side to release darkness, to confuse the enemy. The enemy thought he was so powerful he was actually going to wipe out God's people. God had another plan. He caught his presence releases light for his people. Are you getting this? If we're in his presence, his presence is going to cause us to see things in the context of light. Whereas the enemies in that same environment and all they see is darkness. So, of course, they're not going to see the same things we see. Of course, they're going to call it differently. Who are we listening to? What's the Spirit saying to us? What are we seeing in and through the Spirit? Let's go with that. All right? Pharaoh's army charges in after them, after the, the cloud lifts, and they're kind of like, whoo, let's go. And they're right there in the middle, and then God begins to cause the wheels of the chariots to jam and to fall off. And they're suddenly kind of like, oh my goodness, God is actually fighting for them. Remember, they went, the people of God went armed for battle. But they're on the other side, they're on the shore, they're looking back, and God actually fights the battle. So they were armed, but God actually fought the battle. And then the water comes over and totally wipes out the Egyptian army. In this whole thing that's been going down, they're taking Joseph's bones with them. Interesting that they would squeeze that in the narrative. I mean, of all the things to talk about, I mean, there was massive things that were going down in, in that whole Exodus journey that they specifically draw our attention to the fact that they took Joseph's bones with them. What was the big deal about Joseph's bones? Why did they get into Egypt in the first place? It's all Joseph. <laughs> they went there into Egypt because Joseph was there. You know your Bible. So you know that there was Abram, and then Isaac, and then Jacob. 
Jacob was one of those guys who had two Facebook profiles. So you're not sure which one. Sometimes known as Israel, sometimes known as Jacob. It's actually the same dude. All right. And uh, Jacob has 12 sons. One of them is Joseph. He's the, the favorite. And um, he's got, he identifies with the Rainbow Nation. And he's got this amazing special coat. And his brothers are jealous. They don't like the fact that he's the favorite. And uh, they throw him into a pit. And then they sell him off to the Midianites. And he gets taken down to Egypt. And uh, he's sold on. And eventually uh, ends up in the prison. And in this prison, God is working on Joseph as well as he's working on the correct circumstances for him to rise up. You know the story, Pharaoh gets a dream, and uh, none of the guys can figure out what the dream's all about. And because he'd interpreted, interpreted dreams about 13 years before, after he'd said to the guy, hey, remember me. That's a long time to be forgotten. But while he was in that prison, while he was in that lockdown, he still had favor. And he rose to the top of all of the prisoners with a, the captain of the guard entrusted the prison to Joseph while he was a prisoner. Even in lockdown, God can cause favor to be on his people that we can rise above. Doesn't matter what the circumstances are, we're always going to rise to the top because God's hand is upon us. Okay? Pharaoh's dream, Joseph comes, he interprets it, and uh, exercises some strategic wisdom. He interprets the dream and he says, you know, you should really find somebody who knows what's going on. Hint, hint. And Pharaoh says, yeah, it's probably you then. So he, he becomes head of, head of everything and he sets about creating the economic environment that is going to set up Egypt to become the number one superpower of the planet. It's amazing. The kingdom guy rises up and with his strategy, which is not necessarily perfect because it's going to lead to some bondage, but it causes the nation to actually excel. There's famine in, uh, in Israel, uh, the land of Canaan, where, where Jacob is and the brothers, they come down to Egypt to, to get some respite. You might remember that their grandfather, Isaac, had also wanted to go to Egypt when there was famine. And the Lord said, I don't want you to go down to Egypt. I will take care of you in famine. He sows his seed and he gets a hundredfold return on his crops. Again, we can be in the wrong place according to what the world says and God can cause favor to be upon us. We need to be obedient to where he wants us to be and we will thrive even if the circumstances around us are negative. So you're listening to what God wants us to, to do. So Joseph finds himself in Egypt, bring the whole clan much later, that whole thing. And as Isaac, sorry, as Isaac blessed Jacob and Jacob blessed Joseph, now Joseph, when he's about to depart, he says to, to his, his brothers, there will come a time when surely God will come to your aid. Therefore, promise me that you will take my bones when you go to the land that God has promised. How can he say this? Well, he's basing it on a couple of things. He's basing it on Genesis chapter 15, where God makes this covenant with his great, great, great-grandfather, Abram. 
where God says, you know, it's the time when the, the torch, the fire went between the, all the cut animals, cutting the covenant there. And he says, in 400 years, I will bring you back. This is even before they've gone into Egypt in the first place. The promise is, I'll bring you back to this land. So there's going to be some difficulty. There's going to be some hardship. Can I just read that to you quickly? Ah, let's get to the right passage of Scripture here. Genesis 15, verse 13. Then the Lord said to him, Know for certain that for 400 years your descendants will be strangers in a country, not their own, and that they will be enslaved and mistreated there. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves, and afterward they will come out with great possessions. You, however, will go to your ancestors in peace and be buried at a good old age. In the fourth generation, your descendants will come back here, for the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. In that few verses there, God is packing, encoding in there so much that's, that's going to take place in, in 400 years. Basically saying, hey, your descendants, remember, he, this is Abram, he's walking around the land of Canaan. And he's saying, your descendants, they're going to go somewhere else. They're going to be mistreated. But don't worry, I will punish that nation. And they will come out with great possessions. And I will give them the land. And it's going to be 400 years. And he talks about four generations. What's going on here? Didn't we know that four, a generation is 40 years? Well, he's talking to Abram. A generation was from one father to the son. Abram was a hundred years before Isaac was born. God is prophesying to Abram here, dude, when you're a hundred, you'll actually get the promise. This is amazing how God codes these things in here. Then he talks about, okay, so 400 years, and it was sort of more accurately 430 years, but you know, 400, hey, in 400 years time, this is going to take place. And um, I'm going to punish the nations and you'll come out with great possessions. You know that when they came out, the superpower, the most advanced economy on the planet at the time was destroyed overnight in the sense that the, the wealth of the stock markets and everything was given to God's people as they walked out. They had 400 years worth of wages were paid in one night to that last generation. God owes no one anything. He always pays. So they go out with all the, the possessions and the army then gets completely wiped out as well. Who were, who were, the, who were the ones enforcing slavery? Who were the ones watching over the Hebrew slaves? It was the army. In one military campaign, they were washed away. God fulfills His word. So God speaks a covenant promise to Abram, tells it to Isaac, Isaac tells to Jacob, Jacob tells to Joseph. Joseph knows that this is God's plan, and he's in Egypt, and he's, he's, he knows that there's going to come a day when God is... His, will fulfill his promise. How does he know this? He's been in prison. He, had, he knew that God was going to come through for him. Why? Because he had dreams when he was a kid that he would rise up. And he knew that God was going to come through. Even if it's delayed, God's going to come through. What's the point? You have had prophetic words of promise over your lives. And you're waiting for them. And it might be 13 years and it might be 40 years. It might be a full generation. And you haven't seen it. But God's word is faithful. He's going to cause it to come to pass. God will surely bring deliverance. He will surely do this thing. 
And so Joseph releases a prophetic declaration. I, my own testimony, I have seen God deliver me out of an impossible situation. I know I've been in prison and I've come out to the highest thing. Guys, even if you're in prison, you will come out to the highest place. You'll go from nothing to something. From having zero to having everything at your disposal. It's phenomenal. So this prophetic declaration isn't coming from, you know, I think this may or may not happen. No, he's experienced it himself. And so he releases a prophetic declaration to the people of God. God, he will surely do this. You can rely on this. He's going to do this. Why? Because he's pre-announced it long before I heard about this. Generations before he announced this. And I've experienced it in my life. God is true to His Word. Therefore, in subsequent generations, you can know that God's plan will come about. So, where we are right now, we're somewhere in the middle of these generations. We've had generations before us who've had prophetic words. Words about revival starting at the tip of the continent and sweeping through all of Africa. Come on, we've all heard those words, yes? Have we seen them? No. What does that mean? God's word is still yet to be fulfilled. But surely, surely God's will and his word will be accomplished. Don't give up now. In fact, put my bones on the mantelpiece. So that when your grandchildren ask, what are those bones doing in the lounge? You know, can we play with them or what's the story? It's meant to be a prophetic sign. It's meant to be declaring. Those bones are meant to be saying from generation to generation, God will surely come through. And you know, when he does, these bones are going on a journey. We've got places to go. We've got things to do. We've got battles to fight. We've got territory to take. We've got a land flowing with milk and money. I mean honey. We've got the sweet things that God has in store for us. We've got those things waiting in our future. And as difficult as it might be now, this is not the end of the story. Why? Because this story that we're in, yes, it's very deep and personal for us right now. But remember... This actually fits into a much bigger eternal plan. So our struggles are not in vain. Even though we're facing some hardship, actually God is going to gain great glory for himself. Those years of being a slave, of being taunted, ridiculed, mocked, What do you think caused those Egyptian soldiers to go heading into the middle of the ocean? What caused such anger and contempt and hatred and bitterness that would cause them to do that? It was something that had been inculcated into them through decades of misuse and abuse of God's people cause them to abandon logic and rationality and to cause them to be in the place where they were ready for God's judgment. It was the pain and the suffering of God's people enduring that that caused God's judgment to be a right and just judgment. Your suffering your pain, your difficulty, and crying out to the Lord because that's what intercession is, causes God to hear and to answer. And when the time is right, He will bring justice. He will bring deliverance. But He will be right and true and just in all of His judgments because there's a faithful witness in the middle of trial and difficulty 
pointing that there is another way to do this thing, even to the harsh taskmasters, that they will have no excuse when they face their judgment. And part of what we're doing is creating further judgment that will actually fall on the enemy's head. There's a big picture. Your life is part of a really, really enormous picture. And the way you live now counts. It's kind of like showing other people there's another way to live. And to invite them into that other way to live. Because other people are not our enemy. In, in fact, it doesn't matter their dress code. Some of them wear rather unusual outfits. Don't be fooled by the outfit. Come on. Do you understand what I'm saying? Don't be fooled if somebody's wearing some kind of a headdress. Don't be fooled by the outfit. They're not our enemy. The real enemy is the devil. Now, if people submit to the enemy's plans and purposes and their hearts become hardened, even though they've had many opportunities to see the power of God that they might repent, if they don't and they choose to side with Him, unfortunately, because they're on His side, they will come under that judgment. But it's the judgment that's reserved for the enemy, not for people. Our job is to try and to bring people and say, hey, come with us. Come and serve our God. He's the living God. He's the God of mercy, of kindness, of forgiveness. You don't have to suffer that. Come on, let's step into this. As we're living in the middle of pain and difficulty and all kinds of challenges, we're part of God's huge plan. Draw people to the, to the right road to come into the presence. Because in that presence, you're either in light or there's darkness. This is phenomenal. God's got great things for us. He's not done with our nation. I'm loving the fact that we get to vote this weekend. I'm loving the fact that things are stirring. Maybe a little bit provocative what I'm going to say now. It's all right, we're big people. Nelson was in hard lockdown for 27 years. Came into freedom. And then the party that was for freedom, they had 27 years. They've had their 27 years, one year for every year that Nelson was in jail. But they've abused their freedom. I suspect it's time for change. Remember, it's not about political parties. And in fact, it actually doesn't matter who's in power. Are we living right? This Tuesday actually doesn't matter. Because you know, it's the day after elections. Doesn't matter. We're still going to live for the king. Regardless of who's in power. Our, our hope and our trust is not in horses and chariots and politicians. Our hope is in the Lord. So we live right regardless of who's doing whatever. But we're asking, Lord, raise up Josephs. People who would, would administer things, even on behalf of another kingdom. But let's bring... Let's bring some change. All right. That's probably enough. So, just a, a couple of things. So you've got to follow the cloud. You've got to move with it. I think it's very... Prophetic, actually, this. Rob said, you've got to keep moving around, you know, because the 
shade moves. I kind of thought, this is really prophetic what you, what you guys are doing here. Just love this environment. It's kind of like, Some of us, we, we want to move around wherever it's comfortable and it's easy. And we don't like challenge and we don't like hardship. But we, if we understand that it's not about our personal comfort, but it's actually about a generational thing. Your role in Joyberg is far bigger than your comfort. It's about being a generational witness to the king and his kingdom. I've got people phoning me from Australia, just by way of example. It's kind of like, it is so bad in Australia, we're coming back. I had a mom talk to me some months ago about her children that are in Australia and they're doing extremely well in terms of finance and business and whatever. But they're kind of like, we actually can't take this. This is months ago already. They said, nah, -uh, where this direction of this place is going, this is not like her. Somebody else, they're just about to qualify for citizenship. They say, we actually don't know we can take it anymore. And in fact, we thought we were doing this for the kids, but this is not really a gift for the kids because we're actually not going to give them something that's good. What's my point? My point is, everywhere on the planet, there's difficulty and there's challenge. So, just leaving Joyberg does not necessarily mean you're going to move away from difficulty and challenge. But most of us, we think the grass is greener on the other side. It's just we weren't there, you know, at the close of play when actually they were spreading the fertilizer. <laughs> and you know where fertilizer comes from. So we just thought, wow, that's amazing. Okay, every place has got its problems. God has got us here for a reason, for a purpose. And even in the hardship and the difficulty, we're about intergalactic plans, eternal plans. Now, if God says, pack up from this land and go to another one, like he said to Abram, okay, that's fine. Happy. Make sure that you're where God wants you to be. Acts 17, he has ordained our times and our places that everyone under heaven, should seek God and should find Him. The point is finding God. And if the hardship and difficulty of this land causes you to seek after God, then stay in this place. And if the hardship and difficulty of doing business in your environment causes you to seek God, stay in that business. Because we need people of light and integrity in every sphere of life. Because the kingdom is about Monday to Saturday more than it is about Sunday. So I just want to pray for all the business folk here. Anybody got anything to do with money in this place? You use it, you spend it, you anybody use money at all? Okay. So Lord, we just thank you that your hand is upon us, you're watching us, you're watching over us. And even when we feel like we're suffering um, hardship, we're being done in, like our boss is treating us like a slave, that actually payday is coming. And 400 years worth of slave wages are going to be paid in one night. Thank you, Lord, that there is recovery, there is restitution, there is restoration. Thank you, Lord, that where people have felt like they've been overlooked, they're, they're in prison, that you're going to cause people to rise up into places of authority, of responsibility, that they we would bring strategy that would change a nation. 
I thank you, Lord, for the people that are gathered here today, that you've got plans and purposes for this portal, this place, this fountain, this place of revival, not just to revive us, but that we might be a place where others might come and be refreshed and be renewed and be revived. We thank you, Lord, that the bones prophesy that God will surely come through. Thank you, Lord, for businesses that are surely going to come through. That if one door closes, Lord, you will open another one. So we say thank you, Lord, that even out of the ashes of bankruptcy, new things will emerge, and there's going to be an acceleration and an elevation we say, thank you, Lord. We declare these things. We prophesy these things, knowing that you are a good God and you've got good things in store for us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you release healing as well. Just had a sense, particularly as we were driving here this morning, um, areas of, um, of pain in the, in, the, in the neck, the spine. Uh, maybe some spinal injury um, that the Lord's releasing healing. So we thank you, Lord, for, for your healing touch on your people today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, also that thing of honey speaks of natural antibiotics, natural immunity being built up, being strengthened, healing and wholeness. And so we just release healing to those with autoimmune disease, with, uh, with any kind of digestive issues, we say, thank you, Lord, that you're releasing healing into physical bodies now. Thank you. There's a, there's a reconfiguring on the inside, wholeness coming to your people. Thank you, Jesus. I just release healing in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Bless you. Praise you, Lord. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. The promise is on this house and on the children of this house and on the grandchildren of this house and a generation still to be born yet to be born the promises of God are on this house yay 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 thanks John just one second isn't it amazing, just an apostolic gift? For me, one of the things of the apostolic is it gives the blueprint of what the Lord's doing in the earth um, and to build on that. And it just feels like this morning um, that there's been a reshifting of how you've seen things being played out over the last uh, two years. Who of you have felt that? It's just, I mean, we've been speaking about coming out of hiding, out of about, you know, being fruitful in that. There's been a measure of what we've been preaching in. But just an apostolic voice coming in and just bringing clarity to that in terms of what the plans of the Father is for, for this country and for us and for the nation. Right? Yeah. Um, so I just, I just wanted, I just felt in response to what John said, just to pray for us one more time, please, yeah. John. Just, I feel like there's been a reshift in many people's um, perspective and there's been speaking for healing into businesses, and I just felt like it needed just a response. So if that, if you've um, identified with, and that's spoken to, and you feel like there's been a shift in this moment of what uh, John's been speaking to in any way, don't you want to just stand now? And I just want John to pray for us one more time, just in your sense of like, I'm responding to that, for him just to feel that, that there would be, I don't know, if there's any further chains that need to be broken, just like, I almost felt like there was a sense of chains finally hitting the ground and smashing and being completely free. And so, um, yeah, just for those of you that are standing, can, John, would you mind just praying yeah, that sure. there would just be a yeah. ceiling of that perspective change uh, for businesses, for healing, for, uh, you know, generational thinking of, of the church, for your family, for this house. Um, I just feel like there needs to be a ceiling moment. Yeah, that. yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So the, the thing I've sensed to pray right now is to break off any thoughts 
that you identify as a victim. And to ask the Holy Spirit to impart to you the truth and the understanding that you are a victor. That in Christ, you have the victory. And with Him, anything is possible. Yeah. So Holy Spirit, we present ourselves before you. And we ask, Lord, that you would do something sovereign, supernatural, deep in the internal wiring of our hearts and our minds that would cause any negativity to fall off us. Any of the conforming to the patterns of this world that would want to say that we are not, we have not, we cannot. And we actually say no to that now in Jesus' name. And we embrace by faith the prophetic word that you have called us for your purposes and your plans. And that nothing can stand in the way of your plans. Even as Joseph in his final days said to his brothers, the enemy meant this for harm, but God has meant this for good. We say thank you, Lord, that whatever we've gone through, wherever the enemy has tried to destroy us or neutralize us and work against the plans and purposes of God, whatever he's meant for harm and for evil, Lord, you're turning it around, you're causing the enemy to rush into the place of his own destruction. So we're asking now, Lord, by the power of your Spirit, rewire, reconfigure minds, hearts, faith, courage, boldness, promise, prophetic words being reignited. Thank you, Lord. Hope arise afresh today. Carrying us through. Thank you that you lead us in victory. Those chains drop off never to be reassembled again. And thank you that you cause us to be victorious because you always have the victory. So we bless your name. Amen and amen.